You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Dear listeners, today is the 8th of August, 2023, and the time is, seven, is 6 past 7. My name is Mubariz Mini, and I am joined with Daniel Ahmed today. Today we will um, go through the news and after the news we have three very interesting segments. Um, so do stay with us. The first segment is Peace in Chaos. Is it possible? Segment two is Sheikonomics. How financial empowerment of women drives collective prosperity. And we will then have the third segment, which is short, intense spells of daily exercise linked to reduce cancer risk. So, dear listeners, do stay with us. Do join us for for um, these interesting segments. And as we go through them, we'll have some um, interesting um, guest speakers with us today as well. Uh, you can join in by calling us in at 020-8687-7878 or you can tweet us at our Twitter handle which is at Voice of Islam UK. Daniel, assalamualaikum warahmatullahi Good morning. Wa alaikum assalam. Peace be on you. Um, so today's weather, um, what yeah. was your experience getting into the office, into the studio today? Uh, looking really good, um, but uh, you know it's UK's weather, so I never know what's going to happen next time. <laughs> That's true. Um, so what are the what's so what's the forecast? Then, if you can so the forecast for the coming days is like this. So today, Wales, Central and uh, Southern England will be cloudy with patchy rain, and uh, but skies will um, gradually clear from the north during the evening. Elsewhere, it will be mostly dry with sunny spells. Uh, Tonight, much of the UK will stay dry and clear. South Wales and southwest England will remain cloudier and the odd spot of light is possible. Mostly dry with patchy cloud in northern, in north Scotland. Tomorrow on Wednesday, um, northern Ireland will see extensive cloud but it should remain mostly dry variable cloud and the most spot of light rain likely likely in the southwest elsewhere partially cloudy and dry and an outlook for thursday to saturday on thursdays um, southern areas of the uk will have uh, variable cloud and the chance odd light shower in the north, it should stay dry and mostly sunny, warmer. Overnight into Friday morning, a band of showering, a band of showery rain will sweep in from the southwest. Behind it, it will stay unsettled with sunny spells and showers. Also on Saturday, the showers most uh, more frequent in the west and <coughs> north. So, looking at the the headlines. Um, the newspaper headlines reads Immigration Chaos and Tory Fury So the Daily Mirror calls the government clueless after just 15 asylum seekers boarded the controversial baby Stockholm housing barge uh, 
There are plans for up to 500 men to eventually live on the vessel in Dorset while they await the outcome of asylum applications. The paper also has a story on the one show presenter Angela uh, Scanlon and reality TV star Zara McDermott signing up for Strictly Come Dancing. Mm-hmm. The Metro is also leading on the barge, uh, quoting the Care for Calais charity, saying its lawyers um, had stopped 20 people being transferred there. Like most papers, the Metro also features jubilant scenes as the Lionesses um, beat Nigeria to reach the quarterfinals of the World Cup. The Express focuses on how lawyers have been accused of profiteering from migrants after they blocked the barge plan. It also has a story on BBC presenter Nick Owen, who has revealed he, wa- he has been diagnosed with cancer. Mm. The Daily Mail is leading with a story about how Home Secretary Suela Braverman is launching a major clapdown on crooked immigration lawyers following an investigation by the newspaper. It also has the lioness um, on the front page and a headline on why panic attacks can feel like heart attacks. The Daily Telegraph leads on how Rishi Sunak is being urged to scrap a net zero ban on new oil boilers, stating that some are saying it could be useless for rural communities. It also features an interview with actress Amanda Abington, who has denied being transphobic ahead of her appearance on Strictly Come Dancing. The Guardian leads with a new study on how air pollution is helping to drive a surge in in antibiotic resistance. It also has photos of England's women celebrating their dramatic win and a story on how asylum seekers who received a late uh, reprieve stopping them from living on the controversial barge. The Times has a story on how average pay is about to start rising faster than inflation for the first time in more than a year, raising hopes that the cost of living crisis could be easing. It also has a story on how ministers have warned immigration lawyers that they could face jail if they are found to be fabricating fraudulent asylum claims. And the eye is leading on a story on about how this year's A-level results will not be adjusted despite teachers' strikes. Some experts are warning that some 50,000 students students could miss out on top grades next week. The Sun leads on a story about how a Labour by-election candidate has dressed up as a zombie while campaigning for Greenpeace. The paper has also the paper also has a photo of a woman rumored to be dating Hollywood star Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm. The Financial Times has a story on how European governments are facing high costs as this push as they push green alternatives to gas central heating. And the Daily Star has a story under the headline Order of the Wet Lettuce about how former PM Distrust is handing out 14 awards in her resignation honours list when a political commentator joked that Trust had roughly the shelf line of a lettuce. 
before she stepped down as PM after 45 days. The Daily Star responded by testing the theory on a live webcam feed and when the PM announced her resignation, nearly 20,000 people turned in to congratulate the letters on outlasting her. Several front pages focus on asylum issues and especially the launch of a specialist task force to clamp down on lawyers helping migrants with false claims. The Daily Mail quotes Home Secretary Swella Braverman as saying she wants to see the worst offenders in jail. The Times says ministers have warned rogue lawyers that they could face life in prison. It says the task force has been carrying out preliminary work for months. It could expand its scope to other professional enablers, such as doctors, accountants and employers, who abuse their expertise to facilitate illegal migration. Clueless is the headline in the Daily Mirror, which says the, which says the Conservatives' asylum policy has descended into chaos, with the first boarding of just 15 migrants onto the barge in Portland. It says dozens of people avoided being forced onto travel vessel after lawyers intervened, a move which the Daily Express says has infuriated Tories. It quotes the former Home Secretary Priti Patel as saying lawyers and campaigners against the move onto the barge were the same as the naysayers and left-wing groups who showed no interest in tackling either the challenge of the large number of people coming to the UK or the gangs smuggling asylum seekers into the country. The paper says lawyers acting for the support group Care for Calais blocked the transfer onto the barge of 20 people, some because of a severe fear of water, which the Daily Telegraph also mentions. It says the Home Secretary is threatening to withdraw the asylum seekers' right to state-funded accommodation if they refuse to board the barge. The Guardian's main story is is a study which reportedly suggests that air pollution is linked to the global rise in antibiotic resistance. Analysis of data from more than 100 countries over two decades appears to show that rising levels of air pollution are making resistance worse, though it doesn't look at scientific reasons for the link. The Times reports that average wages are to start rising faster than inflation for the first time in more than a year. It says economics are predicting a fall in inflation and a rise in earnings in new figures next week and that wages could rise faster than goods and services until at least 2025. But the economists also warned homeowners could see the benefits wiped out by rising mortgage costs. The Telegraph says senior Tories are urging Rishi Sunak not to ban new oil boilers. The policy is due to come into force for off-grid homes within three years, a decade before similar bans on other homes. MPs are worried it could cost rural votes. The I reports that A-level results in England won't be adjusted to take into account disruption caused by teachers' strikes. The exams watchdog uh, off-call has ruled out special allowances for the industrial action as it tries to bring grades back down to pre-pandemic levels. And the England women's football team feature on many front pages for making it through to the World Cup quarter-finals. They beat Nigeria on, on penalties 
after clinging onto a, 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 a goalless draw, a woman down. The lionesses clawed their way into the last eight, says the male. Can they now roar into the semis, Ask, asks the express. Dear listeners, that brings us to the end of today's new segment. Moving on to our first uh, segment for today, which is Peace in Chaos. Is it possible? So, the gist of the story is that um, life is, is an exciting journey, riddled with numerous uncertainties and expected chaos. From personal challenges to global events, um, many a times the unpredictability can leave us feeling overwhelmed, lost and in despair. However, amidst this tempest of uncertainty, it is salient to remember that striving for inner peace is not only a worthy pursuit, but a real necessity. Through this segment, we will explore ways in which inner peace can be achieved, and how our internal peace can also extend further to help establish external peace in the world today. So, Daniel, if you could um, uh, explain what is stress and how does it arise in the first place? Yeah, sure. No, uh, while it's such an important topic as well. So, the stress is perceived on on a psychological level as well on a physical level in terms of of the body's response to it <coughs> and um, it is a vital p- part uh, for survival for all living beings um, serving as a as a, v- a very key factor to recognize danger and to trigger our fight to flight response uh, through an increase in hormones such as um, uh, adrenaline, uh, the body undergoes rapid changes such as increased heart rate and blood circulation for a quick response to the um, threat. But nowadays, um, stress is found, you know, is uh, in every corner of life, um, uh, even uh, from, uh, you'll say the, see that from a very uh, young uh, childhood uh, to very old age people, um, the stress is, you know, uh, very uh, very prevalent prevalent uh, among everybody, everyone, and um, <coughs> is far exceedingly uh, its need for only life threatening situations. This has ever led uh, researchers to refer it to as stress pandemic, a big word for it stress pandemic however individuals uh, response to stress varies greatly from when faced with the same situations um, childhood um, uh, influences upbringing in unstable environments especially those thriving in chaos may lead to individuals being more uh, susceptible to stress later on in life um, children growing up in dysfunctional families later on desire uh, they desire like very unhealthy control over their life um, <coughs> they are in such age where they don't know um, um, which way they have to go and uh, in as a result you know they kind of get uh, straight to the wrong path 
so that's a wrong desire unhealthy desire over their life and um, which leads to higher level of stress um <coughs> moving forward uh, we have um a pre-recorded interview hmm. with uh Karim McLeod um so we'll we'll listen to that and then we'll come back to the segment so dear listeners uh, join us for this for this interesting interview so we have with us today at the Voice of Islam radio station Kerry McLeod head of content information and uh, Kerry McLeod you are a mind expert spokesperson on mental health problems and their treatments and whether for a radio phone in or a magazine uh, Kerry can be called on to shed light on mental health problems and discuss the wider issues thank you so much for joining us this morning it's a pleasure hello hi there um so i wanted to ask you maintaining a positive outlook can be difficult when facing hardships so what strategies can help shift our perspective towards more positivity and cultivate a sense of peace amidst a busy and chaotic lifestyle yeah i you know the first thing to say i think is that there is a lot going on right now for all of us um and and many things that can have an impact on our well-being uh you know whether it's the sort of things happening in the news around the world or the cost of living crisis here in the UK or you know personal life events that can be sort of very difficult for all of us to manage um and it's okay to acknowledge first up that you are finding things hard you don't have to put on a, a brave face when things are difficult um you know for many of us the most positive thing we can do as a first step is just to reach out to someone uh, and to let them know that we are finding things difficult um and the other thing i would say is that there there is no wrong or right way to feel um when you're dealing with a stressful situation um you know you might be feeling overwhelmed or worried um you might even be feeling sort of frustrated or even angry um and all these feelings are quite normal responses to sort of stressful experiences um so in terms of the, the sorts of things that can help help us manage these feelings and like you said sort of shift our perspective um one really powerful uh, tool is to just focus on what you can control but so many things in your life feel outside of your control um it it can sometimes help to even just make a list of things you can control things you can't control and then just focus on those things that you can um and if there are big things happening in your life and it feels like there's a lot that's out of control then it might just be focusing on the very small things you can control like um i can control how i will i can't control uh the events around me but i can try to control how i will respond to them you know i'll take 5 minutes out of the room i'll control what i can do to sort of wind down before i go to bed at night those sorts of things um and there's also kind of just general ways of supporting your overall well-being uh, and these are habits that you can build up at times when sort of you're feeling better so you know even if you're not going through a stressful situation right now there are things that you can do right now that would just sort of generally support your well-being and can be things mm. that you can go back to when times are tough um and uh you know like i said is to reach out for help if you really are struggling 
you know, if your mental health is affected by what's happening, then, you know, for whatever reason, you do deserve help and it's totally okay to reach out. Perfect, thank you. And what are some of the ways we can effectively manage these feelings of stress to prevent them from negatively impacting our lives? Yeah, there's a few things uh, that we can all try to help uh, ourselves manage stress. Uh, And it's important to say that uh, what works for one person might not work for another. So if you try something and you don't feel like it's helping you, then that's fine. Try something else. Um, I think that the first thing to say is to try to be kind to yourself, to acknowledge that you're finding things tough and to try and treat yourself kindly, whether that's sort of giving yourself a break where you can, um, talking to yourself nicely uh, in your head, things like that. Um, Like I said before, it's um, looking after your well-being. So that might be trying relaxation techniques if that's something that works for you some people find things like breathing exercises or yoga can help relax um but it might also be a case of just trying to take short breaks from the situation that is causing you stress um and it could be about distracting yourself so another way to support your well-being is to sort of develop interests and hobbies things that you enjoy that you can use uh, to distract yourself from uh, sort of stressful situations. Um, we know there's lots of research about the benefits of spending time in nature. So if you can get out for a walk that is somewhere green, then that's great. Uh, if that's tricky, um, then just kind of having a plant in your home uh, and looking after that plant can bring benefits to your well-being. Um, and then connected to that is about sort of looking after your physical health so Mm. uh, trying to um, get enough sleep which I know can be very tricky especially if you're stressed but things like that can help with your mental health Um, and if you're going through a difficult situation or if it's um, if you sort of find that you have sort of these stress responses quite a lot then um, one sort of powerful thing you can do is to sort of learn what your triggers are and try to plan in advance how you will respond to them Um, maybe think about what's helped you in the past to deal with something Um, so if you know you know that previously you really benefit from just taking a walk then that's something you can remind yourself to do the next time you're in a similar situation Um, uh, Another sort of really important thing to say is to, you know, think about what is the cause of your stress uh, and get support for that. So, you know, if you've got money worries or housing problems, um, problems at work, uh, then there are people and places you can reach out to for help with those. And tackling those can help you sort of feel better in yourself. Um, uh, and then I suppose the last thing to say on that, when, when things feel really overwhelming, um, and the thought of doing anything to help yourself feels uh, sort of too much and too difficult. It's about focusing on sort of smaller, achievable goals. You know, like um, okay, this evening I will take time to wind down before I go to bed. I will try to have an early night. Something that is kind of within your power, rather than setting yourself goals that you know might feel too much for you at the moment. Thanks for that. 
And now resilience is a powerful trait when someone is facing life challenges. What are some of the key factors that contribute to building resilience? And how can people develop these traits? Mm, yes, uh, re- resilience uh, can be a bit of a tricky term um, because our experiences, our past experiences and present shape how we feel stress uh, and how we can respond to it. So, um, you know, we build resilience in many ways across our lives and sort of some of the uh, strategies and tips that we've talked about that can sort of help us deal with stress can also help us build resilience um but it's important to say that our kind of our personal resilience is impacted by things that are outside our control in some cases you know for instance if you are living with a mental health problem if you've uh, experienced discrimination or abuse or you're in an unsafe situation of any kind um so you know the research shows that it's easier to develop resilience when we don't face barriers like this but many of these barriers are outside of our control and and we can't change those um so it's you know it's important to know that if you're facing barriers like this it's not your fault and it's not up to you to solve them um so you know don't feel bad about yourself if you sort of feeling like you're not building resilience um having said that you know sort of all the ways of looking after your well-being where you can um, and reaching out for help where you can, these will help you to build up your response to stress. Thanks for that. And just one last question from my side is that what role does community and peer support play in promoting mental health, especially in times of distress? Yes. Um, we know from research that sort of building those healthy support networks in our lives uh, are something that can help us to manage stress and, and build resilience. Um, but not all of us have people around us uh, who understand what we're experiencing. So having um, community or a peer support network of people with similar experiences can be a really powerful form of support. Um, so it's not just about being able to share your own experiences and receive support for what you're feeling. It's also about being able to offer support to other people too. Um, it sort of, it, it's quite a powerful way to help us boost our own sense of um, power, power and agency back in our lives when we're struggling. Um, so MIND has a, an online peer support community called Side by Side, which is for anyone who's struggling with their mental health um, and it's a really safe and supportive place for people to share their experiences and to help other people. So that was um, Kerry, um, who shared some wonderful light on, on, on the subject and at the end um, has also given advice. And, um, you know, even for our listeners right now, you know, if you need to contact and you, you can get out to their uh, organization who was wonderfully interviewed by our colleague uh, Tokir Ahmed. Um, Daniel, for our um, listeners, <coughs> could you kindly, um, you know, shed some light on the um, Islamic point of view and what Islam actually mm-hmm. means uh, in regards to peace and uh, how uh, what what we can learn from what us and our listeners can learn from um, Islam's uh, teachings. Yeah, I mean, in this day and age. Um, um, 
everyone is you know uh, after um, you know uh, they are trying to achieve peace inner peace especially inner peace mm. and uh, um, no matter um, the person is rich or poor mm. um, everyone tries to achieve um, the inner peace and in the holy quran believers are also encouraged um to remember allah the almighty both in times of ease and hardship um so they can achieve that inner peace um so in the holy quran allah the almighty states uh, says that those who believe and whose heart find comfort in the remembrance of allah i it is in the remembrance of allah that hearts can find comfort and um similarly in uh, in other place uh, in the holy quran the um it says that seek um or ye who believe seek help with patience and prayer surely allah is with the steadfast so in the holy quran um if uh, in one place allah the almighty says that remember me then on the on the other place on the on another occasion uh, he tells us how to you know seek help what are the means so the means are through prayer and through patience these are the two key factors uh, to seek help from allah the almighty and uh, <clears throat> um on on one occasion here his holiness um Ahmad, the current worldwide head of the amdi muslim community the fifth caliph um he said on uh, on annual convention uh that uh, which highlights need to attain um taqwa taqwa means righteousness or, or the fear of god um so he uh, which highlighted uh, the need to attain taqwa to help uh, uh, navigate our life better and how you know living allah can lead to um uh, lead uh, lead anyone to astray and thus being uh, even more lost so <clears throat> there are many countless uh, addresses uh, of him uh, about uh, establishing peace in the world today and even for this just for this um, this sake this whole purpose uh, each year uh, md muslim community uh, holds a uh, annual convention uh, with the name of peace symposium uh, where our Uh, worldwide had md uh, his holiness mirza masrur ahmad he delivers his keynote address just to you know aware uh, the um, uh, whole worldwide people to uh, reflect themselves to so that you know uh, we get to know that where we are standing and uh, we are in such a chaos that we are heading towards a world war th- um, third world war might be And it's not just from the peace symposium. There's many other places. Yeah, where his, his Holiness, you know, um, leads his way and and uh, addresses. Yeah, and now and then he, you know, he keeps us reminding for this. But yeah, for just for the whole purpose for this, there's a peace symposium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. indeed, indeed. Zakla um, Daniel, um, very beautifully uh, shed light on 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 this on this topic. Dear listeners, it's time to move on um, on to segment two. Uh, which is she economics how financial empowerment of women drives collective prosperity um don't forget that if you want to call in uh, if you have any any anything to share with us or would like to discuss with us you can call us in at 020 8687 7878 uh, 
or you can uh, uh, tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. So empowering women financially is not only a matter of gender equality, but an essential step for, towards fostering sustainable development, especially in less developed countries. Financial empowerment allows women to break free from the cycle of poverty, providing them the means to invest in education, healthcare, and uh, ameliorated living conditions for themselves and their families. Women's active participation in the economy leads to a diverse and inclusive workforce, giving rise to positive changes. So in order to truly empower women, financially, financial equality is the key for women to thrive to their fullest potential in areas of work, education, family life and self-esteem. The acknowledgement and promotion of women's financial empowerment is seen as a necessity to, to uh, improve and further communities, uh, especially in third world communities. So Daniel, why is empowering women financially so important? And um, you know, what are the benefits, especially for future generations? Mm. I mean, that's um, such an important question. Um, um, if, you know, we also look at uh, like <clears throat> um, in Islam, uh, the Holy Prophet, um, may peace and blessing Allah be upon him, he was the first person, uh, you know, who to who empowered women in the real sense. Uh, but, you know, we can talk uh, a lot on this topic, but right now we have with us uh, our first guest uh, on the show. Um, and um, <clears throat> this is Kate Chadwick. Um, Kate Chadwick is the Senior Marketing and Communications Officer at uh, Tomorrow's Women. Uh, Tomorrow's Women is a charity for women run by women and they offer resources and support for a, for a range of issues including domestic abuse, substance uh, misuse, uh, confidence and self-esteem exercise etc. They have centers in the in the rural and in Chester. Uh, Kate, um, uh, welcome to the show. Good morning and peace be on you. Um, Kate, can you listen uh, to us? Uh, Hello, can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, welcome to the show. Good morning and peace be on you. Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. All right. So tomorrow's woman uh, focuses on on a holistic approach to women's well-being. So how does the organization uh, integrate uh, financial empowerment into its broader range of support services? Yes. Yeah, so what we do is we take a multi-agency approach. So we aim to reduce economic inequality mm. as well as social health and personal inequality. So um, not everybody comes from the same background. Not everyone has the same opportunities in life. So we improve access to services that, um, that can help women uh, with a range of issues. So what we do is we um, have organisations such as Christians Against Poverty that will come in and help women with their debts. We have um, an organisation called Stop Loan Sharks, which can educate women on the dangers of borrowing money from loan sharks. 
we also put on our own courses such as money and me is what we call it and this is where we look at women's budgets we see where they're spending their money mm-hmm. and we can see how they can save money um we also will have a big focus on education so we work with universities and training providers and they can put on courses for the women and um, sometimes they're even guaranteed an interview at the end of these courses and as well we also um, support women with their CVs and interviews so we really focus on um, you know helping women feel empowered with their own finances. Mm-hmm. I mean brilliant uh, your organization seems to you know have a strong community focus so how does uh, this sense of community and peer support at at uh, tomorrow's women uh, contribute to building women's uh, financial confidence yes yeah, so we take a really strong community approach so mm-hmm. we have a we have a community room where women can have free tea free coffee and free food mm-hmm. and we want to provide like a really safe space for women so they feel listened to they feel judged they don't feel judged I'm sorry um, and <laughs> it, they can talk to women who have gone through similar experiences mm-hmm. so they can chat to each other um, they can share tips advice and they can see other women who are taking responsibility for their finances who are really making these changes to to, um, you know, make these positive lifestyle changes and they can feel empowered to also, you know, improve their finances, work on themselves, make these positive changes. And I, we really think it's important to make women not feel alone. So we will put on lots of different activities, mm. which are group activities, um, and we do celebrations. And it's really about this community support and women learning from each other and motivating each other. Um, so, I mean, very positive steps you are, you know, bringing in. Um, it's really going to boost the confidence of those women as well. And yeah. uh, what are the various uh, scenarios or situations um, in which women seek support from tomorrow's women? And uh, how does your organization effectively address their needs and provide assistance? Yes, yeah, so what we do is we provide tailored support and interventions. So mm. when a woman comes in, she will fill out a referral form and we will sit down with her and we'll see how can we support her. So some women might come in having suffered from domestic abuse, um, which can also include economic abuse when they haven't had any control over their own finances. So um, women can talk to solicitors. They can talk to police. They can see what their rights are. They can get advice from the police. We will also um, we also set up women um, with access to housing. So we will signpost them to agencies who can help them with housing. Mm. Um, as well, some women might come in having suffered from um, drug and alcohol misuse. So we can signpost them to services that can support them with that. Mm. Um, but we also take a softer approach as well. So we will have, um, you know, crafts, um, exercise, all things that are good for a woman's well-being, for their mental health. Mm. Um, so we take like a very tailored approach to what can support women individually. Mm. But um, they can come in. They don't even need to have an issue. They can just come in and have a cup of tea and they can just chat to other people. It's all about that sense of community and belonging and also making changes in their lives if they want to do that. Mm-hmm. Again, brilliant. Um, uh, it's a great, uh, you know, uh, I would say uh, charity as well, uh, what you are doing uh, 
And uh, thank you very much, Kate, uh, for being on the show. It's uh, it's a delight to have you on the show. And um, thank you very much. Uh, um, peace be on you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Take so care. That Bye. was uh, Kate Chadwick. Uh, she is a senior marketing and communication officer at Tomorrow's Women. Uh, Tomorrow's Women is a charity for women run by women, and they offer resources and support for a range of issues including domestic abuse, substance misuse, confidence and self-esteem exercise extra and they have centers in the Virol and in Chester and um, as you know as I was uh, before the this uh, interview um, as you know uh, I was mentioning that it uh, through the Islamic uh, perspective that it was the um, the holy master, uh, the holy prophet, may peace and blessing will be upon him. He was a person, uh, you know, who understood uh, the importance of women in the society, and uh, he gave that rank and that status uh, to the woman, um, so that you know we can flourish uh, in the society because they are the um, they are the one you know who. Uh, who have to, uh, you know, um, make and uh, the next generation um, uh, be ready, and so that you know um, we can, um, uh, so that they can blend in uh, into the society and uh, be a beneficial part of the society. Indeed, indeed. Um, Daniel, we are now um, moving on to the, our next guest. Mm-hmm. Um, our next guest is Simon Gnesson, with 30 years experience uh, working in the field of personal finance. Uh, Simon Gnesson is the pioneer of the financial coaching industry in the UK. She's founder of Wise Monkey uh, Financial Coaching and co-author of Sheikonomics, a book designed to help women unravel the mysteries of the money world and change their money habits. Alongside her training and experience as a financial advisor, Simone is a, certifi- is a certified life coach, is ILM level 7, coaching and mentoring trained, a member of the International Coaching F- uh, Federation, and is on her way to completing her ICF professional certified coach credential. She's also a master uh, uh, practitioner in, in neuro-linguistic uh, programming, and a registered life planner. Simone's work has been featured on a range of podcasts, BBC radio and TV regularly in national newspapers and magazines. Um, Simone, good morning. Um, peace be upon you and welcome to, to, to the Voice of Islam Radio. Hi, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, yes, brilliant, brilliant, wonderful. Good. Uh, good morning and, and welcome to the Voice of Islam Radio. Thank you, thank you for inviting me. Um, Simone, without further ado, in your book, Sheikonomics, you delve into the financial challenges that uh, women often face and provide insights for overcoming them. Could you yes. share the inspiration behind writing this book and what key messages you hope to convey to your readers? Yeah, so we were, um, this, the book was published in 2009, so we started writing in 2008. And at the time, there was very little written for women 
by women. It was mostly text-heavy books about how do investments work and pensions, investments, uh, savings, but very little written about the emotional relationship we have with money and how we interact with money and specifically tuned in to the voice of women. So mm. uh, spoken through the lens of our experience. So Karen, Professor Karen Pine, who I wrote the book with, um, we, we combined my, my experience of working with people on their finances for at that point maybe 20 years to with her experience also of the psychology of it. Um, so we brought those two things together. Um, and in, the, the book is really, we, 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 in economics we have seven laws. So we, we take people on a bit of a journey, but we begin with the emotions. We begin with, um, with our own um, relationship with money because that's an area that most people don't ever think about. We think about our relationship with food. We think about our relationship with exercise. We think about our, our relationship with friends, family, but we don't necessarily think about our own relationship with money. And how we think and feel has a lot to do with the results that we have financially. Hmm. So we get we, we begin really by starting to help people think about their what influences their emotional relationship to money and what uh, what what are the feelings that emerge because there's a lot of guilt and fear um, and also pushing it away at some level unconsciously. So what do we learn about money as we're growing up? What have we experienced? What influences the way that we think, feel, behave? What stops us for, from asking for a pay rise? What stops us from uh, always being um, generous with friends and family to our own detriment mm -hmm. sometimes? You know, all those things. So that's one aspect is, is looking at what what are you... How do you relate to money and does it serve you? And if not, what's getting in the way? Um, and delving quite deep into that uh, and challenging some of the the automatic kind of beliefs that we may have. Uh, and I think about beliefs as like a glass wall. You don't know you've got them until you bump up against them. So when you find that you're not breaking through something, you're not um, you're ne not able to achieve what you set out to achieve. Sometimes there can be a glass wall there, but that could be an internal thing to, to work through. Um, and then it's really about taking control, taking, you know, a lot of people are very ignorant. You know, I don't mean that in a negative way, but just we don't, we, we don't want to face up to the truth of how much money am I spending, how much is going in, how much can I afford, what should I be putting away for the future? So it's it's about you taking control of that mm. rather than money taking control of you um and and having a plan having having goals for the future we're very driven to instant gratification in this yeah. day and age and um identifying what's what's truly profoundly important to you and then working out what what financial goals they may that, that may be needed in, in order to make that happen um, and we have a chapter on sharing financial intimacies, which is about being truthful to yourself and also to others around you and not holding this all in for yourself. Well, in, in today's fast-paced world, you know, people often struggle to strike um, a balance between short-term financial demands and, 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 and long-term goals. 
So how does uh, financial coaching guide individuals in, in planning for both immediate needs and future uh, aspirations? Well, I think it's it's challenging some of those day-to-day spends that we feel are um, we have no choice around. So that instant gratification, you're, we, we might train, um, we, we look at the, the inner, um, in my language, it's the inner chimp or Professor Steve Peters who wrote a book called The Chimp Paradox. You're, you're helping clients manage their inner chimp, the ma- manage that instant gratification chimp that wants, that wants it now and doesn't want to have to wait. Uh, but, but you're also helping clients step into the future. So mm. if you're, embracing different behavior if you're the ideal version of you what are you doing what are you experiencing how are you doing that differently and you're getting people to come up with their own solutions about how to do that rather than you telling them what to do Mm. it's far more powerful if somebody that's the beauty of coaching is that you're helping somebody you're giving them the space and the capacity to think different thoughts and to come up with a different um a, a, a different series of actions that's different to what they normally they normally do. So your work has has uh, undoubtedly uh, inspired many. What uh, advice would you give to young women aspiring to become financially empowered and take control of their financial futures? I think the the first thing is to uh, to be aware of what money is coming in, what money is going out. Um, and, and find a positive way to frame all that up. So that word budget, for instance, you know, we have to have a budget that creates a sense of restriction. Hmm. Let's find language that really works for you, that really inspires you to learn more, to become financially literate, to learn about pension savings investments, to to understand the, the financial world. Um, so don't be afraid of... Um, there are loads of resources out there that um, that that are kind of easy to navigate. Uh, videos to understand a bit more about the the financial world, the the landscape of different types of products. Um, so I would say that, and also being having that transparency, having that openness. Whatever you're going through, if it's if you're going through debt and you're struggling, to be to find a way to be able to communicate that because partly it's the facade that we all everyone feels that everyone else has got this and so we all we all tend to pretend that everyone knows what they're doing and we don't know what we're doing so let's just talk about that let's just be be more open and learn from each other and also share you know if you if it's um if you're invited out somewhere and it's a, it's more of a struggle to afford it find other other ways of socializing, other ways of being with people that doesn't necessarily involve lots of money if that's something that's a struggle for you. So being truthful and honest about your financial situation uh, and then working together to to, um, to support each other to create and manifest the goals. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Simone, for, for being here with us today, for joining us, taking your time out. Um, you know, we can pray that may Allah the Almighty help you um, in all your endeavors and, and uh, help you help others as well uh, with your uh, career, hopefully in the future. Uh, thank, thank you very you. much. Pleasure. Okay. Right. So that was uh, Simone Gnesson um, with 30 years of experience working in the field of, of personal finances, 
Simone Gnesson is the pioneer of the financial coaching industry in the UK. She's founder of Wise Monkey Financial Coaching and co-author of Sheikonomics, a book designed to help women unravel the mysteries of the money world and change their money habits. Alongside her training and experience as a financial advisor, she is a certified life coach, um, coaching and mentoring trained, a member of the International Coaching Federation and is on her way to completing her IGF, ICF professional certified coach credential. She's also a master practitioner um, uh, in, in, in neuro-linguistic programming and a registered life planner. Simone's work has been featured um, on a range of podcasts, BBC radio and TV and regularly in national newspaper and magazines. Dear listeners, um, as we are going through um, this, this segment, uh, we will uh, obviously come back to um, the Islamic point, which Daniel was also uh, mentioning earlier on. And then uh, we will also be <coughs> coming back to um, some more interesting uh, guests um, and getting some uh, expert advice from them. Uh, you can call in, you can speak to us. Uh, the number is 020-8687-7878 or you can um, tweet us at The Voice of Islam UK. Dear listeners, we are going to um, head off uh, for a short break um, and then, uh, which will be the, the, the 8 o'clock news. So do join us after the news. Uh, where we will continue with 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 our uh, next guests. A new station, the Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the Voice of Islam. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the Most Gracious and Merciful, dear listeners, welcome back. Um, you're listening to Mubarak Zamini and Daniel Ahmed and we are currently going through segment 2 which is Sheikonomics how financial empowerment of women drives collective prosperity online we have with us our uh, next guest for for this segment um, our next guest is, is uh, Zareen Hainsworth Zareen was awarded the OBE for her work on women and equalities, which includes work for, for widows, um, Maasai widows, young women, and women and equalities generally. She is chair of, of uh, Widows' Rights International and the chair of the UK Civil Society Women's Alliance. The latter is a uh, coalition of, of the organisations based in the UK, working with UN agencies for women and girls. She has been engaged in youth activism for decades and established the, the, the NAWO Young Women's Alliance in 2005 that remains active currently and enables young women and men to attend events at the UN and be fully engaged in UN processes, becoming champions of equality of women and girls, men and boys and justice for all. Zareen, good morning and welcome to the Voice of Islam Radio. Thank you very much. Good morning. Um, so, um, without delaying anything, we'll get to our first question, which is, 
What specific um, programs or initiatives does NAWO undertake to support and uplift women in, in various aspects of their lives? Thank you for the question. Yes, so um, I have to say NAWO seems, seems to take a long time to say, so I just say no, it's just quicker and easier. Uh, so we, I think you can divide things into about in three different areas. One is about awareness. Two is about creating safe spaces for different conversations. And three is helping grassroots organisations. So in terms of the first one, raising awareness, um, the UK is a signatory to many international legal instruments that provide rights uh, under international law, as well as the domestic law. And one of the things that NARA does a lot is raise awareness of our rights under both UK law and international law. So we need to link the global and the local. So each one of us at the parish council level, at the local council level, we can advocate for our rights that have been signed up to by the UK at the national level and also at the international level. So, for example, the Sustainable Development Goals, they talk about water, partnerships between agencies and institutions, work for cities, education, women and girls, peace, i.e. reduction in violence. All of these things are important to us in our own personal everyday lives and we can call our local authorities to account and ask our MPs and so on because of our rights under the Sustainable Development Goals. There's also the Beijing Platform for Action. This is 30 years old next year. It has 12 critical areas of concern. Health, poverty, decision-making, environment, violence. All of these things affect us every day. And we can call our government to account at the national level and at the local level. And then we were also involved in the 16 Days of Activism to Stop Violence Against Women and Girls, which is a pandemic around the world. Everybody, you know, the, the women experience this in every single um, culture and at every level of society. So that's a raising awareness. We also have these different spaces. So the, there's a Young Women's Alliance, there's a Black Women's Alliance. These are spaces for particular conversations and, and action for particular demographics. And then the third area is that we have grassroots organizations. So, for example, ICRA is an organization working for Iranian Kurdish women. So we help them kind of get started and develop. And there are other organizations like that. So we help them raise their profile to be involved at national and international level. And then that enables them to gain funds and to help their particular demographics. Brilliant. So throughout your involvement with, with NAWA, what moments or achievements have stood out to you as particularly impactful in advancing um, gender equality and financial empowerment? I think probably the place that I think has been most important is the UN Commission on the Status of Women. It happens every year in March, and I've been going since 2000. And although it's a bit of a talking shop, you know, there's a lot of discussion between governments about, you know, the, the outcome document is a, is a kind of a written document that comes out of it. And it's, you know, a lot of discussion about, you know, what words to use this and that, you know, whether to use the word family or what does family mean or, you know, there's a lot of kind of argy-bargy. But actually what happens is that it's a space where uh, grassroots activists and experts come together as well as government representatives and there's this interaction between them not as much as we would like but there is and so therefore it's a kind of a melting pot for different ideas and there are outcomes that come out of that so part of the discussions that came out of csw which was established in 1947 is cedar which is a convention on the elimination of all forms of discrimination against women it's a long title mm. cedar is easier but it's like a human rights charter for women and girls and it's really important that all women know that it exists 
and we can call our government account and we can make sure that it's implemented all of those um, articles and they cover us in all areas of life so the same thing as the Beijing Platform for Action it's important to each one of us in our everyday lives so that came out as a result of the Commission on the Status of Women. And then something called 1325 was a, a Security Council resolution, also came out of CSW, and it's about women, peace and security. And I, you know, around the world, you can see that that has changed the lives of people, mm. it's made a difference. And, and for example, in early 2000s, I think 2004, something like that, we got the word harmful into the outcome document in front of traditional practices. And this meant that countries who were allowing various practices to continue could do so because they said they were traditional. But by putting the word harmful, it became a harmful traditional practice. So it's recognized that it might be a traditional practice, but that doesn't allow you to continue to do harm. So, for example, FGM is now recognized as a harmful traditional practice. Um, you know, the things that happen to widows in some countries is now recognized as a harmful traditional mm. practice. So just because it's traditional doesn't mean to say you can continue doing it. It's, it's objectively harmful. Rates, for example, it might be traditional, but it's harmful. You can't do it. It's not acceptable. Uh, so I think that those are, you know, those really have made a difference in, in my life. I've learned a lot, but also I think in all the people who go there, they, they learn a lot, they become fired up, they, they, they feel that they've got some strength now to continue in the, in the, you know, in the kind of the work for equality. And they can change policy and call governments to account. So what advice do you have for young women who, uh, you know, aspire to become leaders um, and, and advocates for, for gender-based uh, equality um, you know, based on your experiences with with Nawal. Okay, I think you have to, you know, people have to read and listen and learn from all sources. You've got to seek out the truth. Independent investigation of truth is so important. You can't just listen to one source. You know, you can't just listen to the BBC or the, you know, or you know, Channel or, or Al Jazeera or whatever. You've got to listen to all of them. You've got to listen to French. You've got to listen to all these different radio or read all these different newspapers. And between all of them, you'll find you'll find the truth because every media outlet has a particular bias. I think also everybody's got to decide on what our principles are, what's our moral foundation, what are the things that are, we really feel are the important principles in our life and put them at the center of our lives because everything else will fit around them. There's a, a particular example called the, the, you know, the big stones example, which I could give you if we have time. I'll give you that analogy in a minute. Network, meet people. But networking is not just about giving out business cards. It's about making true friends. You've got to make real connections and friendships. So we need to be interested in other people and try to help them. Usually you'll also receive back, but that's not our motivation. Our, you know, the more pure our motivation is, actually, the greater will be our personal reward in terms of spiritual development, but also in terms of, you know, what we get back. So networking is really important. Be aware of what's going on, uh, going on in the world. Know what's going on in the world. Know what our rights are. Be, be aware of our responsibilities. I think in society at the moment there's not enough balance between rights and responsibilities. So yes, we need to know what our rights are, but we also need to know of our own responsibilities. So we need to stand up for the downtrodden or the disadvantaged, and that includes for ourselves. If we feel that under the law or under our rights, we're disadvantaged or downtrodden, then we need to stand up for ourselves too, and stand up for each other, stand up for our brothers and sisters. Become involved in local activism. So local, everywhere in, the, in, in our yeah. communities, in every city in the UK, there's local things that we can get involved in and also join organisations like Nara Young Women's Alliance. Brilliant. Thank because you, you can much. learn so much and there's many opportunities. Zareen, thank you very much for your, for your time and, and for your um, you know, expert advice 
and for um, advising um, you know future generations to come as well um, you know uh, thank you for being with us today and um, hope you have a good and blessed day thank you very much and you too and to all your listeners have okay. a great day thank you very much. Uh, dear listeners next we uh, have our next guest which is um, uh, Alia Nessa uh, Alia has has been a member of the the Gateway uh, Girls since 1987, participating in activities as a young woman and now as a core member of the management team. Her role as operations manager involves supporting the daily operations of Gateway Girls, and this includes responsibility for the following areas: overseeing staffing, HR, and monitoring systems. Um, Getaway Girls is a city-wide service for girls between the ages of 11 to 25, which empowers young girls and women across Leeds to support each other and build their confidence. The service is funded by various funders and offers support for those who need it, but they also create um, a, a space for girls to communicate, develop new skills and take part in fun activities. Uh, Ali Anessa, good morning and welcome to the Voice of Islam Radio. Yes, good morning. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. May the peace and blessings follow be upon you. Um, can you provide an overview of Getaway Girls' mission and the specific ways in which the organisation supports and empowers women? Yes, certainly. Um, I mean, obviously, we've come to 35 years of the organisation this year, we've just celebrated. And we, the overall mission for Getaway Girls. Um, is through basically our core values and principles, which is vision. So we vision all young women in Leeds will lead a safe, healthy, fulfilled life. And that's through the values of empowerment, compassion, equity, inclusion, collaboration and creativity. The purpose is to empower girls, young women, to support each other, to build their confidence, resilience, aspiration skills, and to take those positive risks in the environment. And our approach is very much a young women-centred, strength-based approach. And when I say strength-based, it's about recognising young women's strengths and abilities, their talents, and their lived experiences that they bring to the organisation. So with taking in mind those core values and principles, we're trying to develop a sense of belonging for the, for the young women and girls. So it's about inclusion, pride, um, so they take those positive risks in that environment. And it's through our approach and delivery of the work that we do, which I will go into, to create new skills and building that resilience and self-worth for those young women and girls. Uh, what are some of the, the uh, barriers that women often face when it comes to achieving financial independence? And how does, you know, Getaway Girls work to, to overcome these challenges? Yeah, we've got different approaches. But obviously, some of the barriers that women are facing um, to achieve fin financial independence, mm. it, there's quite a lot of challenges in terms of multiple barriers that they face, especially the uh, young women that we work with. You know, there's poverty, huge at the moment. Mental health and well-being issues really impact negatively. And we work with a lot of people that are sofa-surfing, maybe haven't got permanent residence. Um, there's not enough secure housing for under 25 mm. is generally probably across the board. Domestic violence has been an issue, you know, no recourse to public funds. If they've come over as a spouse or they're in domestic violence relationships. Access to employment and jobs. We, ha we work with young people all the time that are meeting, not in education, 
and training. And it's about also having access to apprenticeships and having the resources to even go to university. I'll, I'll, I'll describe the ways that we support them. It's, you know, having short-term contracts, zero contracts, low pay skills, not enough promotion for these young women. And having affordable childcare, we work with young mums um, and teenage pregnancy. And a lot of them have care roles for extended family as young carers as well. And we work very much um, to empower the women and girls through one-to-one work. So we have different projects like Safe Space. That's to work with girls on a very structured program in schools. We work with high schools, primary schools. Um, and we have a complex needs worker, which we'll work with, again, one-to-one basis on the long term, mm. looking at proactive, targeting their needs of what they need to get to where they need to be. Mm. We have mentoring, a mentoring program in schools at high school and primary school. We have group activities, the work, the youth work approach, and that's going on residentials. And we have different groups from 8 to 12, 11 to 13, 13 to 17, 18 to 25. And we do a lot of peer support work volunteering so we've got the, the old women that come to the service to be mentors for younger girls and a lot of the work we do is involved to empower the uh, young women and girls through the voice and influence strand of our work so women have a voice a contribution to local and national policy agenda and also the leadership program so uh alia this this year uh, getaway girls is celebrating 35 years of That's empowering right. girls and and women indeed um, so, you know, can you can you share some insights into the special, you know, initiatives or events that are planned to celebrate, you know, this milestone and yeah. um, how these activities reflect the organization's continued commitment to advancing women's empowerment? Yeah, well, we've just literally last month had our 35 year celebration. Uh, it was a, a lovely event of 150 people. We invited yeah. nice. many of the uh, young women girls, trustees, um, staff that have been involved in service over 35 years. It's absolutely a wonderful to see their involvement and what they took away from being involved in Getaway Girls all those years and how that's impacted on their personal journeys. Um, so we've, ha- we've, retru- we've basically produced an impact report, very factual, I and mean, I can send you this on a link. And it's really um, sums up what we've done over 35 years. Factual information, infographics about how many girls have come through the service, how many programs we've delivered, how many residentials, how many students have been on placement with us. During the pandemic, it was a difficult time for young women, and we gave out 470 grants for young women to support their futures. That was um, through a program working with emergency um, grant crisis at that time. Um, but yes, we've had little events, um, but we've produced a lovely report. We had a celebration event and captured all that on um, we put on our social media some aspects of it. But going forward, you know, we want to hopefully see Get Away Girls grow again for the next 35 years, hopefully. We're still here. Mm. Uh, and we've got many things, again, to continue to empower young women and girls. We work with a very diverse range of backgrounds. Um, and we've got other things. Through the DIYSOS that we had the big build last year, we had a multimedia suite donated through that work. And we want to bring that to life so just in the process of recruiting a digital comms worker. And that comms worker will hopefully bring that work to fruition in terms of producing resources, girls and women getting involved in enhancing their future skills in digital technology, coding, producing magazines, animation, photography. Um, another thing is 
we, we want to establish a counselling service for young girls. The waiting list for counselling at the moment is huge in Leeds. And a lot of girls come to our service and there's nowhere to signpost them or there's a huge waiting list. Myself and two of the colleagues are trained to be counsellors and psychotherapists. So hopefully that's something that we definitely want to set up, a counselling service for the future. Perfect. Uh, um, Alia, thank you very much for, for uh, taking your time out and, uh, you know, um, give us an insight onto, onto Getaway Girls. And, um, you know, we pray that may, may Allah the Almighty, God Almighty, help you and, and the organisation in all the wonderful work that you're all doing. Thank you very much. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, dear listeners, we uh, now have to move on to our next guest, which is Diane Watson. Diane uh, Watson is a relationship-focused financial planner. With almost 30 years of experience in the financial planning and advisory sector, recognising a need to support women to become more engaged with their financial management, she founded She Can Prosper. Diane is a trailblazer in her field, shares her knowledge and insights with women, specialising in working with women who are approaching 40 and beyond to help them improve their financial well-being and empower them to take the right steps to plan for their future. Diane, good morning and, and welcome to the Voice of Islam Radio. Good morning and lovely to speak to you. And uh, just what an amazing uh, charity uh, Getaway Girls is. It's a charity close to my heart, based in Yorkshire myself. Um, they're doing amazing things for young women in, in Leeds. So uh, fantastic. Brilliant. It's good to, good to hear that there's a, um, a lot of good spirits up in, up in North because I'm from Bradford myself. So it, it, it's, it's good to hear from, from the Yorkshire lot as well. Um, could you share the, the inspiration behind the creation of, of She Can Prosper? What motivated you to establish a platform um, spe uh, specifically focused on women's financial education? Absolutely. So I've been, uh, as you said in your introduction, um, I've been uh, working with uh, men and women for the last 30 years, uh, helping them become more financially um, astute. And it became, uh, it, it, I became aware that women uh, actually are not as engaged I would like and would like them to be with regards to uh, their own financial futures um, and so just before lockdown although no, nothing to do with uh, lockdown I decided to set up something that was specifically aimed at women to really encourage them to take the time to understand uh, what probably what they don't know and what they you know should know about their own financial um, well-being and it was really based on my observations of my um, my financial journey and realizing that a lot of women are quite concerned, think that they're not very good at math, mm. maybe don't have great role models themselves um, in terms of growing up. I mean, it, you know, our, our subconscious behavior is established very firmly by the time we're seven. So a lot of women um, maybe brought up in homes where they're told that it's the man's job to understand the money uh, and so they just disconnect from it. And I wanted to try and encourage them to, you know, get on board with it. Really. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, um, financial education uh, is a critical aspect of empowerment. Uh, you know, how does your organization approach teaching um, financial literacy to women? And what unique, well, uh, what, what unique features does your platform offer to engage and educate, uh, educate its uh, uh, audience? So we, um, we do actually uh, run financial education within schools because we, we believe that, you know, children should learn as, as soon as they possibly can. Hmm. Um, 
about you know simple things regarding regarding money yeah um we've been uh, running events um both down in in, in london and, and here in yorkshire um for the last couple of years and i'm finalizing um a book at the moment which brings together um lots of practical information and also stories that people women are sharing about things that they've experienced which i hope the readers will be able to identify with which will hopefully give them some positivity around how they can make you know good choices with regards to their own financial well-being hmm. so navigating investments and and wealth building uh, can be intimidating um how Absolutely. does she can prosper uh empower women to overcome financial fears and make informed decisions about their financial future so i think you know you you you've made a very good point and i think what we try to do is is, is to make it very simple um we there's so much out there people read a lot of things in, in newspapers watch stuff on television and what we try to do with with the women that we engage with is to take it back to basics and to help them navigate their way in a much more simple process so things things around understanding their own situation um you know understanding what, what they what they what they have and what they where they need to get to hmm. and trying to make it more simple for people you know rather than complicated so you know if somebody comes to talk to us about maybe wanting to retire when they're 60 or 65 helping them really understand what that means for them and the action that they need to take rather than making it very complicated in the first instance about the sorts of in- investments and pensions and things like that mm. so it's really trying to take it back to a much more basic level so that people can understand that mm. and also a lot of women particularly don't understand a lot of things around their own circumstances um you know a lot of people that i talk to don't really understand for example what might happen if they become ill um mm. and they can't work uh, and we know there's a massive rise of female entrepreneurs which we're absolutely delighted about but in a way that does make you more vulnerable if you're running your own business mm-hmm. so it's it's just helping women in very simple terms in the first instance understand the sorts of things that they need to know about their own situation and to take action perfect um could you uh, share success stories or, or testimonials from women who have benefited uh from your organization you know how have their uh, financial lives improved as well as a, as a result so i think um you know I, I, it obviously i hope everyone will buy the book when it comes out in november but you know we've a, we've a, a couple of stories in there of, of women that i've worked with for a very long time who have you know wanted to have a have control over when they were actually able to stop work um and in and in order to do that they needed to work with an advisor to understand the steps they needed to take in order that they could have a choice about when they stopped working rather than having to continue working you know until until um, a very old age uh, and the, you know there's a couple of those stories in the book um where women have, have been very clear about I want to retire at 55 I want to go traveling and therefore what do I need to do to help me achieve that hmm. and it and it's 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 fantastic when you work with someone who says you know because i've done all these things this is now what what i'm uh, able to do uh, and also uh, people who've put other things in place to make sure that if you know things things happen in people's lives right you know they people get ill um people's marriages end 
circumstances change, where we've actually been able to help people have good outcomes in difficult situations by helping them plan for those things in, in advance um, and, and, and change the outcomes for them. So, you know, again, there's a number of case studies uh, in the book that we share with people and, and we really hope that people will, you know, read those stories and think that that could be me. This is now what I need to do to, to make sure it isn't. Brilliant. Um, thank you very much, Dan, for for um, giving us an insight and and for um, you know for all the work that you guys do as well. It's quite a truly inspiring as well. With 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 as long I mean, just as our other callers as well and our other guests. Um, Dan, thank you very much for joining us today at the Voice of Islam Radio. Um, thank you hope, so much for having me. We hope to hear hearing from you soon as well. I'd be delighted. Thank you so much Thank for having me. Have a may, good day. May God be with you. Thank you. So that was uh, Dan Watson, um, a relationship-focused financial planner with almost 30 years of experience in the financial planning and advisory sector, recognizing a need to support women to become more engaged with their financial management. She founded She Can Prosper. Dan is a trailblazer in a field, shares her knowledge and insights with women, specializing in working with women who are approaching 40 and beyond to help them improve their financial well-being and empower them to take the right steps to plan for their future. Um, moving on uh, with the segment, Daniel, could you give us a, a, a brief insight to the <coughs> Islamic perspective? Yeah, sure. Why not? As um, before the caller, we were also, you know, talking about um, uh, woman, woman empowerment uh, through Islamic perspective. <coughs> and um, our Holy Master, may peace and blessing Allah be upon him, you know, uh, 1500 years ago, he gave the he gave women their rights um, in every and uh, in every way. He allowed them uh, to uh, own the property uh, and also gave many other rights. And um, he once said that it is the duty of every Muslim man and every Muslim woman to mm. acquire knowledge. Yeah, so on every occasion, he encouraged um, not only men, but also women to acquire knowledge. And uh, right now we have with our uh, next guest, um, Mira Kaur Rasia. Uh, she is the communications officer for Anawim uh, Birmingham Center for Women. Um, Mira Kaur, welcome to the show. Good morning. Asalaamu Alaikum. Uh, peace Thank be on you. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, could you please provide an overview of Anawim Birmingham's Center for Women's Mission and Objectives and uh, how does the uh, organization support women in the local community? Sure. So um, Anawim uh, Birmingham Center for Women is a multi-service charity and a women's center. Um, and primarily we support women struggling with all sorts of emotional, practical, domestic, or personal problems. Mm -hmm. um, so we're a non-judgmental space for them to come to, uh, to talk to us and to reconnect with other women who are potentially um, similar challenges. 
um, and we work with women from all backgrounds, but also in our system, as um, there are often multiple and complex um, challenges and situations that cause them to be swept into crime. Mm. Um, so a little about our history, actually. We were actually first set up in uh, 1986 by two amazingly mm -hmm. brave uh, nuns, Christian nuns, who moved into Balfour Heath in Birmingham, mm -hmm. which was then ago. known as, yes, it was, it was known as the Red Light District, actually, mm -hmm. um, which is surprising. So they moved in there, and they realized that a lot of the women there were um, um, sort of coerced or swept into prostitution. Mm -hmm. So they opened their home um, as a safe space and support network for those women to come to them and talk to them about their issues. Mm. And um, since then, we've grown into our own charity and center, and we try and employ that same um, ethos by making sure that we are open and available for any woman mm. um, on the street to sort of come and talk to us and, and feel safe with us. Yeah, I mean, it's really important to, you know, uh, kind of provide and create that safe uh, space or safe environment for women, uh, even who are on the streets. Um, what specific programs or services that um, does NOM uh, offer to address uh, the, the diverse needs of women who come to the center? If you don't mind, can you, you know, share any recents, um, recent stories? Sure. Um, so uh, in terms of specific programs, uh, mm. we have um, a timetable of courses and um, sort of developmental activities for women in the center. Um, that can be anything from sort of more social things like uh, creative Tuesdays where the women get together and, and um, sort of explore their creativity and just uh, connect with each other. Um, but also sort of confidence and talking about parenting skills and how to recognize um, signs of domestic abuse in a relationship. So very um, a wide range of um, activities and courses that can uh, equip them with the skills they need to feel um, in control of their lives and situations. But otherwise, we um, we work a lot in partnership with uh, West Midlands Police and Crime Commission Commissioner for their program which is sort of early intervention for women who've committed low-level offences who we believe could be diverted away from um, re-offending. Um, we also work a lot um, with sort of vulnerable women in terms of mental health and um, substance uh, misuse um, through the NHS's Liaison and Diversion Programme. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's very much about sort of tackling um, those issues at its root and looking at what each woman needs and what her background is, if there's trauma there, if there's um, a lot of struggle there, rather than looking at um, sort of her situation at face value and then sort of using um, measures such as prison to um, punish her where there might be a whole load of other factors that aren't taken into into account. Um, in terms of <laughs> success stories, um, we have many, but they're also diverse because to us, I think um, success means something different for each woman. So um, we can help some women, and we do, with addressing debt, 
and others with employability skills and others with uh, domestic violence and others with a food parcel. But um, our motto is, is as long as we support each mm. woman to receive what she needs so that she feels as though she can thrive with her skills that we've helped her to build, then that's that's the most important thing to us. I mean, uh, brilliant work, uh, what you are doing. Um, that's very positive and uh, uh, life-changing uh, things what you are doing and looking to the future what are the NOM's uh, aspirations and goals um, in terms of uh, expanding its uh, services and uh, you know it's uh, increasing its impact absolutely so um, short answer is we want to grow as much as possible yep. um, so due to funding challenges this year we've had to shut um, Dawn House which was our residential unit for women leaving prison who were in need of accommodation uh, so things like this are a vital resource for women and we're working towards building those resources to make sure that women feel safe and secure with us um, as well as sort of making sure that we focus on raising awareness in the community and shouting about our work as much as possible so we can help even more women. Um, we also try and work with um, girls and young women um, in schools. So we've got a program called uh, the Venus Program, which aims to uh, engage with girls age uh, 14 to 18, um, just to teach them about safe relationships and making sure um, they understand um, the dangers of substance misuse and um, yeah, early mm. um, recognition of signs of um, unsafe uh, domestic situations and things like that. So we really aim to to um, deal with um, things at the root, so with younger women as well. Um, but we're always very, very grateful for donations to our work because that makes up a good part of our resources mm -hmm. uh, because we want to help not only the women that we see now but women in the future too. Uh, thank you very much, Miracle. Uh, it's a delight to have you on the show and uh, peace be on you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Uh, that was um, Mira. She is the communications officer for Anawim Birmingham's Centre uh, for Women. Um, now, um, I would like to close this segment um, uh, with the quotation uh, with the saying of uh, His Holiness, um, Mr. Masroor Ahmed, uh, who, you know, on one occasion, um, uh, promoting uh, the necessity of female empowerment uh, said that the key for any nation to thrive and progress lies in the hands of the mothers of that nation and further he emphasizes that Islam does not uh, prohibit women from seeking education and staying confined to their homes uh, he adds that there are some girls and ladies who excel in studies and achieve extraordinary results and Islam does not instruct that they should waste their talent or skills and only stay at home. Thus, women who, who have the capacity to become uh, doctors or teachers or to pursue other professions which are of benefit to humanity can do so. However, at the same time, they should not ignore their duties to their children and to their families. Such women should manage their time effectively and ensure that 
their children are not neglected in any way. Uh, with this, uh, we will move on to our next segment, um, which is uh, short, intense spells of daily exercise linked to reduced cancer risk. And uh, the gist of the story is that um, exciting recent research indicates that uh, engaging uh, engaging in as little as 4.5 minutes of intense physical activity that leaves you feeling breathless during your daily task may lower the risk of certain cancers by up to 32%. So in this segment, uh, we will um, unravel the findings of this um, promising research and discuss ways um, in which exercise can be encouraged among uh, amongst different ages and um, populations. Um, the University of uh, Sydney uh, they conducted a research um, suggesting um, that, as I have mentioned before, that 4.5, 4.5 minutes of um, vigorous physical activity, uh, referred to as uh, uh, vigorous inter- intermittent, intermittent lifestyle physical activity, or VILPA, uh, during daily tasks could reduce the risk of um, certain cancers by up to 32%. And the study involved uh, tracking the daily activity of over 22,000 known exercises um, using uh, variable devices over almost seven years. So, um, uh, what are the different types of exercises um, you know one can uh, do uh, in their daily li- daily life? So there are different uh, types of exercises um, have been associated uh, with uh, reducing the risk of cancer. Um, while um, no exercise can guarantee the prevention of um, uh, cancer. Uh, res- uh, regular physical activity can, you know, contribute to healthier lifestyle, and uh, uh, it can potentially lower the risk of certain cancers. Um, some type of exercises that may help uh, reduce the risk of um, cancer. It can include um, uh, cardiovascular exercises, um, strength uh, strength uh, training. Uh, or resistance exercises or um, high intensity interval training which is HIIT and um, um, other exercises could be flexibility exercises or, or moderate um, exercise and uh, you know not only this that uh, doing exercise can reduce the risk of um, cancer but uh, it um, makes one's life a very healthy a life, and um, um, normally, um, normally people who don't exercise, you know, they kind of very feel very lazy as well. And uh, uh, but when you do exercise daily, or um, if not daily, or um, just um, for some uh, period of time in 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 a week or three or four days, you can say in a week. Uh, 
you know when you are doing some your daily work you will feel very very vigorous uh, doing your uh, daily life to uh, daily work and uh, and um, you you'll kind of you know uh, like to do your work otherwise you will feel lazy and uh, will mm. not like to do your daily stuff mm. as well uh mobiles can you you know uh, tell us that how can people who don't normally exercise uh lead a um, very lazy lifestyle adopt exercise in their daily life to life um and how can people uh, overcome uh this barrier um, feeling laziness well um truth be told i'm probably part of them people that are lazy <laughs> and and i i need so this advice i'm giving is not for the listeners it's actually for myself as well mm-hmm. at the same time and obviously uh, i i know for many of us yeah. right uh, it's the same thing especially since um uh a lot of a lot of people have become more uh, introvert nowadays uh, which is why is getting out there doing exercises and um I mean um can you um in your experience you know or you can uh, give us any guide um you know the first step is is the hardest step that yeah. uh, to get out of your bed and how can you <laughs> can you do that I mean it was hard getting out of bed this morning for the for for, for the radio show as well yeah, but sure. um look there's always uh, a motivation behind something right mm. I know for example you need to get to work in the morning you know you need to wake up and go right um you can it's 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 just about being motivated at the end of the day hmm. it's just something that will click which will help you and that's it you know right i'm starting my 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 exercise today hmm. yeah and it just becomes um the norm and it comes it comes into your into your lifestyle and hmm. you just need to adapt it i mean i've been through the stage where i was at a point where every hmm. day i was motivated to, you know to get up go to the gym and hmm. then get to work um but then you just become lazy with time I think if you just start uh, that lifestyle and you just kind of get into that lifestyle and um, then you kind of you know get the habit of doing it uh, again and again yeah. uh, no matter for example if you have to wake up early in the morning at 4 5 a.m. Uh, you would obviously obviously get up in the, at that time yeah. for example I have to go for badminton tomorrow at uh, probably like uh, 7 or 8 and uh, I know it's going to be hard for me hmm. but I know that after playing badminton Uh, or any other sport or or gym or whatever you you may, may feel comfortable doing it after that you will obviously feel very you know uh, rejuvenated and uh, yeah. kind of very exciting so but before that just getting up uh, getting up for that thing uh, is very you know hard thing so obviously it's important to um Uh, start small you know begin with with, with short and manageable exercise sessions mm-hmm. um it can start from with just um a daily walk of 10 minutes you know and then in, in, increase the, the the time and the duration and then no, the just baby steps yeah. yeah yeah definitely um you know these these kind of things they can really make a difference mm. um then you need to set your 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 goals um but obviously set goals which are achievable um I know I know you should be um aiming 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 to to achieve high mm. but when you won't get there right then you'll you'll kind of like um mm. have a fall and and you think well I'm not achieving it so what's the point mm. I mean do you have any uh, favorite sport or gym 
or would you like to do? Uh, I mean, you mentioned badminton, so badminton is is a very enjoyable uh, mm. um, sport for me as well, um, oh. and 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 also at the same time, uh, gym uh, is so. But you just dr- every look. We need to find something which is enjoyable, yeah, right? Certainly. So, so for everyone, it's important to choose activities um, which are more appealing. For some people, exercising is not fun. Going for a jog is not fun. Not uh, even for me, it, it is not fun. You know, just to jog, I uh, kind of feel uh, find it very boring. Yeah. So um, it's important to find something that you you're happy with, yeah. you enjoy, mm-hmm. um, which you look forward to during the day. That oh yeah, I can't wait to go. I can't wait to go cycling. I can't wait, you know, uh, uh, for, for for that kind. Um, and obviously, when it's something that you like, you can definitely make a habit out of it. Yeah, certainly. Yeah? Uh, once you make a habit out of it, you'll 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 uh, bring it into routine. Um, you'll schedule it. You'll be prepared for it mentally as well and physically. Mm. And again, obviously, um, once it becomes into your lifestyle, mm. it's important to have a partner. Um, that can that yeah. can join you and and you know uh, you guys can motivate each other. So it's, um, you, if you can, you should buddy up with someone, um, exercise with, with with someone, a friend, family member. Um, and nowadays, gyms and and clubs and there's everywhere where they offer um, you know like a fitness group or. or mm. I mean, you're gonna go badminton. You're obviously gonna go with a partner or as a group of four, right? Yeah. So um, these kind of things they will help you and they'll motivate you as well. I mean, um, uh, everyone need to find that um, particular thing which you know they can find enjoyable. But no matter what it is, um, it could be gym or any other sport. Uh, the thing is that uh, even for ten, fifteen, or, or minutes, or, or for uh, half an hour, uh, you need to do it every day. So you know you can your body can get the benefits uh, out of that uh, exercise. Uh, so it could be anything uh, which you uh, find the most enjoyable. Yeah. And obviously, um, nowadays, it's not hard to track, you know, what kind of activities we've done. Mm. Um, I mean, nowadays, there's apps that, are, you know, for example, on the iPhone, it just calculates your steps daily and it tells you how many steps you've done today. Mm. So even if you just decide to go for a walk, um, uh, let's say you didn't go to badminton today and you just walk for, to work or, or, mm. or wherever... Um, or even when you come back in the evening and you go for a walk, um, your your phone will just show you that this is how much you walk, this is how many steps you've done, this is how many uh, kilometers you've done, and uh, this is how many calories you've burnt. Mm. Um, so we should definitely use technology, and then we can set reminders and and um, other kind of uh, ways to motivate us to 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 go out there. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Obviously, s- to do all of this. Mm. Um, you need to remember why we're doing it, yeah. right? The reason we're doing it is is to remind ourselves of the numerous health issues and the benefits that we um, uh, have. Once we get into the routine of of uh, a healthy lifestyle of of exercises, then um, you know we'd we'd be reduced. We'd be at the at the reduced level of of chronic diseases. Um, you know, it would improve our health. It it increase our energy levels. Hmm. Certainly, and you know, uh, there are many benefits uh, which are linked uh, to to this uh, physical exercise, and uh, one of the benefits, apart from um, you know physical benefits, um, the spiritual benefit is also linked to yes. um, physical exercises as well. 
and um, the promised messiah alayhi salatu wasalam may allah be peace uh, uh, and blessings of allah be upon him uh, he has you know um, in one of his books um, oh, which is um, the philosophy of the teaching of islam mm. he said that um, uh, the uh, our physical body is linked to our spiritual body and um, in that way he says that uh, if we keep our body uh, physical body healthy uh, obviously we're going to keep our spiritual body as well uh, healthy yeah. and uh, it is one of the key factors uh, so that you know uh, in this way if we keep our physical body healthy um, uh, in the other way we're going to be very spiritually um, good and uh, we're going to remember allah in the best possible manner um daniel here we have our um our last guest for the for for today's show uh, for the first first guest for our segment as well uh, which is dr rebecca robinson mm-hmm. uh dr rebecca robinson is a consultant in sport and exercise medicine based in manchester and sheffield her work with with patients uh, focuses on how physical activity can help people with long-term conditions including cancer um in which she is actively engaged in research mm-hmm. uh dr rebecca robinson good morning and welcome to the to the voice of islam radio good morning and thank you very much for inviting me um so uh, dr rebecca could you define what high intensity uh, intensity exercises and how it is different from other forms of exercise in very simple terms high intensity exercise is exercise that gets us to raise um the rate of our heart and our breathing so how it might feel would be that somebody could perhaps be able to speak a little bit but not be able to sing a song without needing a deep breath and more scientifically it's really exercise that brings up our metabolic rate so it's the rate at which our body is using oxygen that the heart is pumping and that we're firing some of the little engines in the cells of our body to use their metabolism their turnover to make our bodies process the fuel and the oxygen that we need um so that's the more scientific overview and examples might be for some people exercise like running or cycling for other people it might be part of what they do in their daily life if they have an active job where they might be um working for example in terms of building or running upstairs so it's really exercise that makes us perhaps feel out of breath mm. that feels like it's kind of quite hard work um are there any gender specific differences in the effects of high intensity exercise on cancer risk That's a brilliant question. Um I don't think we quite know is the answer. We're mm. learning so much that there are certain treatments and we do talk about exercise as a treatment um that can help people to manage cancer and we do know that there are differences between the genders. We're still learning that. So there aren't absolute specifics. What we do know is there are certain risks from different cancers such as breast cancer in women for example and prostate cancer in men where some of the treatments will strip down the hormones that they have and we think that exercise for both of those conditions and for other types of cancer can help. It can help with the hormonal balance, it can help with tolerating treatment and lots of other factors. So we don't know that there are gender specific differences in the effects of exercise mm. but they can be gender specific differences in terms of the cancer and how it affects the body and we think that exercise can help those in both 
male and women. Right. So does the timing of, of high intensity workouts play a role in their effectiveness? And, and if so, when would be the best time in the day to, to have them? This has been a question that has been asked in sport where we want people to get to the peak of their performance. And the answer tends to be that it's quite generalizable to people. Some people work out better in the morning. Sometimes some studies have shown that kind of early afternoon is quite a good time to work out. I think the overall answer from the research is it's almost the time that works best for the person. So if that can fit into somebody's regime early in the morning, that can work. But if the science is asked, then the peak time is maybe about three or four in the afternoon not too late because that tends to disrupt the circadian rhythm that kind of mm. sleep wake cycle so sort of probably if you're going to pick an ideal time it would be kind of that late afternoon time for maybe five o'clock in the evening but really it's all about getting it done and the recent study that's been out is great because it shows that actually instead of one big workout if we do little bits throughout the day kind of sprinkle throughout the day we're raising that metabolic rate all during the day in little bits and that seems to be something that's really effective even it appears for a very short time are there any dietary uh, considerations that that uh, complement the effects of high intensity exercise on on uh, cancer prevention I think there are lots of aspects of a healthy diet that unfortunately we don't as the medical community always talk about with patients um, and having for example lots of green leafy vegetables um, the type of red and black berries that have quite a lot of antioxidants in can be very supportive um, protein having enough protein in the diet is important especially in cancer because that helps to build up muscle and if we are experiencing cancer or its treatment that can break down muscle and breaking down muscle means that people can become quite frail it can be like harder to get out of the chair but if we're doing exercise we also need that exercise to be met with those building blocks to get stronger through the exercise and those are the protein building blocks those can all help but also i think it's important to remember that having some higher calorie snacks that we really enjoy actually can be quite good so some of those things shouldn't be banned just because they're not mm. seen as healthy and they can help to give people that bit of energy those are sort of carbohydrates in um but as a whole more complex carbohydrates such as those in oats um can be helpful to give people the energy to sustain exercise perfect dr rebecca robinson thank you very much for for joining us today uh at the voice of islam radio and we hope to hear from you soon as well that's a pleasure thank you very much thank for inviting you very me much. so that was dr rebecca robinson uh, a consultant in sport and exercise medicine based in manchester and sheffield her work with patients focuses on how physical activity can help people with long-term conditions including cancer in which she is actively engaged in research Dear listeners, um, that brings us to the end of uh, today's show. Um, by the grace uh, of, of Allah the Almighty, we have had a, uh, a wonderful um, show today with some remarkable guests. Um, and I would, like to thank, um, I would like to thank our producers, uh, producers actually, Ramin Masood and Maliha Mahmood, our researchers, Barira, Ariba, Nuzat, Uh, our technician Zishan and obviously I'd like to thank Daniel for for being here in the studio with me today uh, tune in to the breakfast show tomorrow for for discussions on war uh, with wildfires sparked by the worst heat wave in three decades and Abu Dhabi's uh, stunning new multi-faith complex is a mosque um, dear listeners thank you very much and uh, here is the news <laughs>